you have been through hell. She's a lifetime yeah. movie just waiting to happen. You are. That's what all my friends are like, you need to write a book. Please write a book, Linda. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 139 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Stop laughing, David. (laughs) Why is that so funny to you? I don't know. It's the little things in life. All right, you say it. No, I'm good. (laughs) Well, if you're going to make fun of me, then you're going to start saying it. I can not say it and still make fun of you. (laughs) I'm going to find somebody else to do this. (laughs) Any volunteers? Anybody want to take my place? Somebody that won't <laughs> laugh at me. Oh, so you just ruled everybody out when you said that. I know. <laughs> I'm like, I laugh at me. I have to rule myself out. <laughs> oh, all right. So guess what? What? You and I are going on an all expense paid by us vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we going, David? We are going to the land of the lakes and no... I'm not talking about up, up there. I'm talking about Lake Lure, North Carolina, Woo-hoo! where they where they filmed Dirty Dancing. That's right. Yep. The first one, not the remake. We haven't so. been anywhere in a long time, it seems. Mm, I know. I can't, I can't even think of the last time we went somewhere. Last time I remember going anywhere was Texas, pre-COVID. That's probably the last time we went somewhere together. Well, I'm a bit scared. Why are you scared? Because I'm afraid you're going to push me down the mountain. Why would I push you down a mountain? I don't know why you do the things you do. Look, I didn't push you down the last time we went to the mountains. You didn't stop me from falling. <laughs> no, but I laughed when you did. I did too. <laughs> <laughs> so we're crossing this creek, and David's a good eight inches or so taller than I am. So, of course, he has longer legs. So I think, oh, I can reach that far. Well, I reached. <laughs> you reached with your foot? <laughs> and, and my foot hit the rock, and then, boom. Well you, well, you picked a rock that had, like, slimy moss or something all over it, so it's like stepping on a piece of ice. I was just trying to cross the same place you did. But you fell so gracefully. In my head, it was slow motion. It was like, <laughs> oh, boom. It was slow motion, and, like, I probably could have caught you, but I was so busy going, this is going to be hilarious. That I couldn't even reach out for you. You lie. You were afraid I was going to hit my head. <laughs> I was afraid you were hitting your head because you didn't just like fall down flat on your butt. You <laughs> fell down and like sprawled out. Like <laughs> you would have thought you fell from 40 feet up. Just <laughs> laying there with your leg behind you. <laughs> well, I fell. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, but, it wasn't pretty. But then you didn't even try to get up. Like, I'm like, get get up, honey. You're like, Because <laughs> <laughs> I was already wet. I wasn't getting any wetter. Yes, you were. <laughs> How? What? <laughs> <laughs> I was already wet. Because, you, because it was not, not deep at all. Like, it was an inch deep. And right. so, you're just getting wet on your butt. And I'm like, if you don't get up, it's eventually going to have so much water, it's going to get on your um, sides in the front and everything else. Because I made the water rise? <laughs> exactly. No! So, 
But then we proceed to leave this park area. You know, we have to walk back down the mountain. And it was it was rather um, uh, jungle-like as we were coming out of there. It's kind of weird. But then you fail like three more times. <laughs> I was like, what is wrong with you? I was weighed down by the water in my jeans. <sighs> I've got pictures of it. Like, you got to the point where you couldn't even walk because you were just laughing so much at how you were falling like every few steps. <laughs> like, I promise you, folks, she's not been drinking. <laughs> no, nope, I hadn't been. Hmm. I'm just glad I didn't get hurt. Uh, yeah, I was definitely glad of that. So, but then you know we had to cut our cut our day a little bit short because I had to take you back to our place to change clothes and thaw out because it was cold. That is why I always get somewhere that has a washing machine and dryer, and I always take an extra pair of shoes. Yeah, but I'm sitting there going, I don't know that I want you to get your wet hiney in here on my seats in my car. It was my car. <laughs> what are you talking about? It was my car. Okay. You obviously don't remember as much as you think you do. I don't remember the car. It was my re- car because I had stuff in the back seat that I sat on. Okay. I don't remember which vehicle we drove, but I do remember you falling repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> well, then don't be making up. I didn't want you to get my car. See, that's like the story of how we met. You just add stuff. It's because our memories sometimes don't serve as well. Yeah. A.K.A. David makes up crap. <laughs> It's not like I was like, let me just make up what car we were riding in. We well, almost always take my car. So I figured we probably did that time. But you say we didn't. Were we in your car? <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't know. Now you got me questioning myself. This is what See, happens. I'm gaslighting you. Oh. Okay. No, I don't I don't remember. I thought it was my car. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. It's not really important to the story. Yeah, so why did you bring it up, David? To prove it's not important to the story. <laughs> I don't know why I brought it up. All right. So let's get to our guest today before I come down there and make you fall. See? That's why I'm scared, <laughs> y'all. All right. So if we don't have an episode come out after this one, you know she fell down the mountain. You know he pushed me down the mountain. I don't have to push you. You'll fall on your own. <laughs> I'm more worried about hey, you grabbing me as you go down. My name should have been Grace. Yeah. Yeah. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Our guest today is stepmom Linda. Linda. Linda, honey. Honey, listen. Listen. Honey. Yeah. I I did that to her. But you know she hears it all the time. But anyway, that's that's, uh, that's a funny video. Mm -hmm. So tell us about Linda, Linda, Linda. Linda. Linda is a stepmom of three, has been blending three years, and she has little to no contact with the stepkids. Wow. The stepkids are 21, 19, and 10. She has two bio kids, bio daughter 20 and bio daughter 13, and she doesn't have contact with them either. Hmm. There's a story behind that. Yeah, there's a big story behind this, and I'm not going to tell you a lot because you need to hear it from her. There is a disclaimer. There is mention of abuse in this podcast interview. So if that is a trigger for you or you have little ears around, do not listen to this where they can hear it. Mm -hmm. I do want to say that I'm so glad that Linda shared her story with us because, y'all, she has went through hell and back. And I'm not kidding. Yeah. 
And she has not only survived, but she is alive and she is still pushing forward after experiencing parental alienation with her own kids and even her stepkids. Mm-hmm. Like extreme alienation. Yes. That's all I'm saying about that. Okay, then. <laughs> well, let's get into the interview and then we'll wrap it up in the end. Okie dokie. All right. But first, here's a word about the Nacho Kids Academy. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. Today, we have stepmom Linda. Hey, Linda, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing Linda, good. Linda, listen. Listen, Linda. <laughs> <laughs> that is the cutest thing. I know. I know. <laughs> I haven't watched it in a while. I need to go back and see it. That kid's probably like 20 years old now. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's kind of like the one. Mommy, Charlie bit my finger. Yeah. yeah oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. What was that? That was like 15 years ago. I love that one. I know. He's so cute. I know. it. Yeah. Uh, one day they'll be on the like some special. Where are they now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then I'm going to go, wow, I'm really old. <laughs> I'm already <Yeah>. saying that. <laughs> we, we try not to talk about that on here. <laughs> We're not going to discuss age. Yes. Age is only a number. Yeah, right. I'm the new 30. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm just going to keep moving it for my, you know, what works for me, I think. Yep. Exactly. Yep. I love it. <laughs> well, you've been blending three years. Yeah. And how many stepkids and bio kids do you have? Three steps and two bio. Okay. And you've got, I don't know any other way to phrase this, but kind of a sad story. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much a good way to phrase it. Yeah. Well, don't worry. David will surely throw in some <laughs> hilarious comments. <laughs> or inappropriate <laughs> comments. That's fine. That's fine. You got to lighten it up sometimes. <laughs> yeah. He lightens it up a little too much sometimes. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your relationship with your bio kids. So I have two bio kids, both daughters. One is now 20 and one is 13. Their father and I, we were married for 20 years. And it became that that marriage was definitely done long before it was done, if you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. like it was over before we were out of it. And it was uh, abusive on a bunch of different levels. I have not seen my children. Uh, February makes five years. The last time I saw them, my kids were eight and 15. In that time, I went through that divorce homeless. I was living in my car. He drained the bank accounts, got through that and got myself divorced, uh, worked on myself, did a lot of healing, a lot of therapy, just a lot of recentering my whole, everything about me and trying to return to who I was. And, uh, you know, life for me personally, you know, as a person, things were getting better, but the, the fighting about the kids that never has gotten any better. I am obviously now remarried and relocated. So those things do complicate the relocation definitely makes things harder when it comes to my bio kids. Cause we live in very far away from each other, but it doesn't mean that I don't still fight. So, so when you and your ex split up and 
you were going through all this crap. You were homeless. He had drained the bank account. Were you seeing mm-hmm. your kids then? No, that I'm gonna have to be really raw and honest here. I don't think a lot of people discuss this, that in the three years leading up to when we split, so we split in 2017 and in the three years leading up to that, I started getting really sick. I developed a seizure disorder that was just late onset and they weren't sure why I was having five, six, seven, sometimes 10 seizures a month. Oh gosh. I have been an educator for 17 years. I taught high school and I taught college and I have two masters. So not to be like tuning my horn, but I, you know, I had a plan for my life and goals and things I was trying to achieve. This destroyed all of that for sure. Destroyed everything, destroyed my cognitive function, my memory. Um, A lot of those things are gone and they have never recovered. And in that time of the seizures and everything, we, we were, we had dealt with infidelity. So there was a lot of infidelity on his part and he's the kind of person that he enjoys attention and having a sick wife gets you a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. So there was some control issues as well. And then there was just a lot of abuse and a lot of abuse that was occurring while I would be unconscious. So in the end, what it boiled down to was he put me in shock therapy Oh gosh. and he had me on many, many, many medications. I think at the last count, it was like 17 drugs. And I, I don't even think I was human at the end there. I really don't think I was human, but I was tired of it. I was really tired of it. I was making a plan to escape. He was definitely monitoring everything when it came to email, phone, any of those things. Mm-hmm. I think he knew this. Um, and then on the night of February 26, 2017, <sighs> there was a really bad altercation between us. And I was at the bottom of the stairs and he had called the cops and they arrested me and they took me to jail. And I went to jail for, and he left me there for three months. Um, I kind of reached like all the time I could do, you know, so just became a time served thing, but the legal system takes a very long time. And of course my kids were in the house when this happened. So obviously there was a no contact order, which I understand the legal standpoint of all these things. There's so many things more to this than legally, you know, how the justice system defines this. There's so, so, so much more, but I knew I was going to have to wait those things out. I did a lot of therapy. I took a lot of classes. Um, They made me take a lot of different classes, check in with the doctor. I had to tour prison. So I'd be terrified, you know, going to prison, do drug tests, all this. It took about 18 months to get that case to where it was resolved, time served and closed. So in that 18 months, you can imagine that 18 months of no contact can definitely give the other parent who does have contact time to rewrite history. Yes. And, and that's what we dealt with. Um, I did everything that was asked of me, everything that the court wanted me to do. And my, I had an attorney. I was actually, my public defender was very good friends with an attorney. This attorney helped me, took on my case, helped me get divorced at least. Um, I was also going through my disability case as well, because I was still having a lot of seizures. I would sleep in my car at the ER parking lot just in case because oh I didn't have anywhere to go. At the time I was arrested, we had only moved there six months prior. I didn't know anyone. And honestly, I'd had so many seizures that I probably couldn't have told you what street I lived on. 
I didn't know much. And then shock therapy does very bad things for your memory. So, you know, it, it was, a, it was just the worst of the worst, but my only goal was I just wanted to figure out a way to repair myself so that I could heal with my children. And I, I just wanted the opportunity for that. And um, by doing the therapy and taking classes and, you know, I finally got myself an apartment and just did so many things that were just so much better for me. You know, I prayed that the the courts would see those things and then begin some type of reunification plan. And that's what I've been fighting for since then with zero success, no cooperation from the other end and just a lot, a lot of money spent. So when you got arrested, was that the mm-hmm. night of the altercation? Yeah. Yep. So I take it this was back before they had the, I guess it's a law, David, you probably know more than I do about it, where if there is an altercation, yeah, where both people get arrested. My state, if I can say the state. That's fine. If that's all right. Okay. South Carolina doesn't necessarily, um, like, that's not how they do it. Had I been just about 30 minutes away and lived in Georgia, then yes, it would have been both of us. Also, at the time that the paramedics showed up and the cops, because the paramedics had to come, I was unconscious. So I don't know a whole lot of what transpired in that time when I was at the bottom of the stairs there. Mm -hmm. It started at the top of the stairs. I know that much. I was two days out of my, my most recent shock therapy session. So, which is also called ECT. I can, I can call it that too, but people understand what shock therapy is, I think. Mm -hmm. And, um, but anyway, it was so spotty what was going on. It was like opening and closing your eyes. Like there'd be a little bit of understanding and then just gone and then come back to and then gone. So that transpired while I wasn't conscious. I'm not sure of um, knowing how much I know him. I can pretty much uh, guess at what, what, how that all went down. So in this campaign sort of against me had started in the several months prior and I see what <laughs> I learned a lot of things a couple of years later that made things clear to me. I didn't know at the time, but he was in an affair that had been going on for a long time. And with that woman, he had already made it known to her that he did not want to go through a divorce. He didn't want to lose anything. He didn't want to lose money or any assets or anything. And that what he was kind of hoping for was that either I'd be sick enough and die or that I would do the job myself. Oh my gosh. And so I didn't know that at the time, but when I look back now, those some pieces make sense. The behavior and the changes and things make sense now. At the time, it was utter confusion, just complete confusion. So, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's def- it's definitely been difficult. While I was in jail, the mistress he had at the time, she lived in a different state. And um, about 10 days after I was arrested and I was still in jail, you know, she came to the house. And then from there, they just made their plans for her to move in. And then they were engaged. And all of that happened before any divorce was ever even filed. So, And you have no yeah. idea what your kids have been told. Zero, zero. I know nothing. I don't know what they've been told. I, well, I will take that back on a tiny level. So my oldest daughter graduated in 2020. So the year of COVID, it was difficult. I live in Idaho and they live in South Carolina. And um, about a month prior to her graduation, 
And at that point, so at 2020, May of 2020, I had not had any contact, not heard their voices, not seen their faces, nothing since February 26th of 2017. And I got her graduation announcement in the mail and I was blown away. And I just knew no matter how it went down, I had to be there. Like, I want her to look back years from now and go, wow, even though all those things we did and how much we pushed away mom, but she showed up, she was there. And I didn't know if I would see her, talk to her. I didn't know if I'd see my ex. I didn't know if it would be dangerous. I didn't know, but I was going to go. And I did. I flew across the country. I went to her graduation. It was outside. I watched it. And at the end of that ceremony, when she came off the football field, she did see me and she broke down and I broke down. And um, I had nine minutes before my ex called the cops. (laughs) So I had nine minutes to try to apologize tell her how much I love her. I miss her. I will never quit. None of that will ever change. Her feelings are valid. I just was doing everything I could just to open the door a teeny, teeny, tiny bit. And um, she had been told through our conversation, which I thankfully recorded because false accusations and things. She had been told that I was going to kidnap her and her younger sister, the school resource officer, the cop at the school, you know, basically did tell me that, you know, I had been, the whole school staff had been notified that I was to never be at the school, never to ask for the children, that I was dangerous. He called the cops and told them that I had a restraining order and I was violating it. And that was false. And so I did have an encounter with the cops. They ran my name. They said, there's nothing, you know, you're not doing anything wrong. And they made him aware of that as well, but it traumatized me. It traumatized my daughter, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And she certainly does believe that I don't want anything to do with her. She, while I've been fighting for my younger child, my older daughter had aged out. She was already 18 and I can't fight any longer in court. And, um, she said the only reason, you know, I waited until she was 18 because I only wanted my younger daughter and not her. And that's not true. Obviously she told me that, you know, because of me that she had um, been very depressed, that she wanted to take her life. It was a lot of crying. And I know a lot of confusion and that's all I had. I had nine minutes. I had nine minutes before the cops showed up. So, and that was the last we've ever had contact was May of June of 2020. So who sent you the, the invitation? She did. She did. She filled it. It's her handwriting and she filled it out and she sent it to me, which I I took as a positive thing. Mm -hmm. And I did, I thanked her very much for, for sending it to me and just how much that meant to me. Um, And I was so pleased with that. I assured her I am not in any way about to just walk right back in and just, you know, take over or try to pick up where we left off, you know, nothing like that. You know, I would go at her pace, however she needed, if she had questions, whatever she wanted, that's how we would do it. But I made sure that I really did appreciate that she sent me that. Have you talked to her since? No, no, nothing. Mm -mm. I'm not allowed to have their phone numbers. I'm blocked on every social media. If I send mail, I'm threatened with the cops. I'm threatened that I'm harassing them. They're constantly threatening to get law enforcement involved, that I've never done all the things that was required of me, that I have to go back through the courts. And those things are not true, but it doesn't make it any easier to fight because they will figure out a way to wrap you up with attorney fees and all kinds of stuff as well. So your daughter, the oldest one, she's she's saying to the police that she doesn't want you to contact her? She never has said that to the police. No, his dad. No. that was the ex, her father. Okay. But he can't, 
at 20 years right. old, he can't say you can't contact oh, yeah. her. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, and the cops made sure that they let him know that, you know, she was 18 at the time and they told him she's 18 and she can have contact with her mother if she wants. She can do whatever she wants. She's an adult now. You cannot control her and made sure that I understood that. And I do. However, she still lives in his house. Right. Yeah. And she's afraid and of the And my youngest is there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's. Do you think that there might be some contact from her once she's moved out from him? It's possible. It is possible that once she's not right there under his thumb and listening to him and his and his new wife that she may for herself decide i would like to at least ask my mom some questions mm-hmm. well you so. would be able i'm assuming you would be able to reach out to her if you if you know how to find her mm-hmm. at that point without worrying about him him so much i mean i'm sure he'll still cut up like cheetah but yeah uh, there there's nothing he can do at that point mm mm-hmm. If she does, if she moves out and I'm am ever made aware that she has moved out, then I most definitely will figure out a way to reach out in the safest way for her. Whatever makes her feel the safest, I will, I will do. I know that when she's under his roof, that's not going to go well and she will suffer. And so will my younger daughter. Right. And he's probably monitoring her Facebook and everything else too. Oh yes. Oh yes. Yes, yes, absolutely. Oh yeah. And they make a lot of fake profiles to uh, harass me. <laughs> I'm actually right now in the middle of a a bit of an issue the new wife she's in the medical profession and she has been kind of stalking and harassing me and now she's calling businesses and she's sharing my like personal health information with my disabilities and things like that and so now we are in the middle of that okay i've got a few things to say okay <laughs> first of all the family court system sucks Yes. We know this. And it angers me. Yeah. Secondly, I am so proud of you for going to her graduation, even though you only had nine minutes. I think that that was tremendous. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And thirdly, I am so sorry. Yeah. And fourthly, hang on. I hope you bust her butt. (laughs) I'm here to ask a question (laughs) that might get you there. Okay. This, this personal health information that she's sharing, is how is she coming yeah. about this information? Her sister was my doctor. Okay. So then what you do is you you go to... Well, ex- uh, tell her some background to how you know this stuff. All right. So, so she doesn't just think you're making crap so in, a, in another <laughs> life, <laughs> my day job, I get paid to do consulting uh, around uh, medical uh, hi- uh, healthcare HIPAA compliance and stuff like that. Okay. So yeah. I'm not in the medical field. I'm in the uh, yeah. IT field, but I, I do a ton of consulting around HIPAA. So okay, I got you. Obviously, what you're talking about is a violation of HIPAA compliance, but you're going to have to you have to track that back. Now, is it a is it a violation for her? Mm-hmm. Probably not. It's probably if she's getting it from the the doctor sister. I think you said. Yeah, her. So her sister was my physician there mm-hmm. in South Carolina, right? And then. And she is a nurse and she and my ex work in the same facility. Mm-hmm. And even during the divorce. So I have her recorded phone call mm-hmm. relaying this information to a business. Um, oh, they yeah. felt it was very sketchy and she probably didn't realize that she was recorded. Mm-hmm. 
And so they gave us the phone number and released it to law enforcement as well. And then in addition to that, I have a lot of, um, I have handwritten stuff from her (laughs) that she's left in my storage unit. I have emails. I have screenshots where she's admitting to my friends that she has looked at my medical history. She has looked through my medical records. She has gone through my personal journals. She's looking for someone to side with her. Mm -hmm. And all this has been turned over to the governing agency in South Carolina. Well, you can, I mean, we can talk more about this off, off the air here, but, but you can, you can file a complaint with HHS, which is Department of Health and Human Services. They, they have a division called OCR, which is the Office for Civil Rights. Office for yes, Civil Rights. Yes, that's what I submitted it to that. Yep. Okay, perfect. That's, yep. So mm-hmm. they'll, they'll, do an invest, they'll do an investigation, which is a federal violation, and it can also be criminal. Uh, if they get the DOJ involved, then it becomes yeah. a criminal suit. But OCR will investigate, and then they can they can take action at a federal level. Yeah. Yeah. It. I mean, we know that it's just, it's, it's malicious. It's all just malicious intent. Um, I've never met her. never even spoken to her, but she has, since I even knew who she was because her, her, she's actually the second affair. So the, the affair that was occurring while I was in jail, that woman moved to South Carolina and then he began this other affair with the nurse at his work. And so then the first affair, (laughs) well, they got engaged and then um, she actually fled back to her state because of his behavior. And then this woman kind of stepped in and she has harassed the first woman quite a bit as well with me. It has never stopped. I don't, you know, I just can only imagine that a lot of this comes from my ex and it's being fueled and a lot of that stuff. So, well, of course um, it is, but you're not even involved in their life. They're keeping you involved in their life. Mm -mm. It's like, they're consumed to try to destroy you. That's exactly what they want. That's exactly what he wants. That's what she wants. She has tried to be friends with all of my friends, you know, on social media, try to find people to talk bad about me too. She writes to people. She calls people. It doesn't end. How does she have time for all? How do either one of them have time? (laughs) (laughs) I know. um, I don't know. And a lot of it, I think does happen while she's at work. So we are, we're trying, we're also looking at things from that angle as well to see if that crosses lines. Right. Good. Yeah. I hope you burn her a new one. Well, this is this is a te- it's a tactic and a technique that people use to cause other people to to not want to push back because it's a exactly. it's a bullying technique. Mm-hmm. And so it's yeah, you know, you're mm-hmm. you're pushing somebody and you push them and you push them, and to at at some point you feel like you you're so powerless that you just don't oh, yes. you just don't do anything and that's what they're yeah. doing mm-hmm. i mean it's yeah you're terrified because one i will say that i am definitely very remorseful for how things went at the end you know for from the things i can even remember a lot of my brain is just it's not there it just doesn't exist anymore i can't even tap into some of those things but i feel very badly for my children to have to and to watch me go downhill so quickly in the three years prior, uh, you know, starting to get sick. They know me as the mom who took them everywhere. I was a teacher. I edited newspaper. I directed plays. I coached cheerleading. I did all these things. And then, then I'm just mom who can't function anymore. And I, I hate that for them. And that would be my one wish is that they know this was never anything that I wanted to happen, not in my intention. And I do wholeheartedly feel terrible about all of that. 
for them emotionally and just they're in their maturity and growing and developmentally just it's tough. It's really tough. I come from a horrible childhood, so I never wanted that for them. And I had to try to deal with the shame of being arrested. Once you say you've ever been arrested, you don't be, you're not human anymore. You're something else now to people and everything changes. I lost pretty much all of my friends. I didn't have any family to start with. So I was already alone there, but dealing with the shame is a huge power button. It's just, you know, if they can keep me feeling ashamed, then I won't, I won't fight. I won't push. I won't talk. Mm -hmm. They want me to never speak. You know, if I even talk about missing my kids, if I put a picture of my kids on social media and how much I miss them and that I'm not getting any cooperation after going through mediation last year, they just, they start reporting it to my lawyer and how they're now I'm going to be in contempt and I'm violating these things. I'm talking about my, my feelings, my story, my side, what I live it's, you know, the facts lay where the facts lay. And I'm, I'm not out here trying to hide these things. It's just that shame is what keeps you in a box for a long, long time. And I think I'm finally getting to the point where I'm going to, I'm working on forgiving myself and getting better, making, making the future better instead of just staying in this scared, very guilty, shameful spot of the past. Mm -hmm. Well, I know we're only getting a snippet of what happened. But I don't feel like you should feel ashamed because you were having medical issues and he took advantage of that. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like he had you tortured so you couldn't remember and you couldn't act normal for the purpose of all this. Yeah. I feel it was definitely very, a lot of it was orchestrated. And looking back, I can see some of those things when you're having a lot of seizures and you're on a lot of medication and then. You're doing ECT, which shock therapy is just another seizure. It's just, they give it, they're medically doing it to you under anesthesia. Mm -hmm. Gosh, it just messes with your mind so much and your memory so much being able to understand things. You can't hold information. So yeah, that definitely made things so much, so much worse. And I feel like it was, I'm not even sure who I was at that time. And that's sad. So with, with everything that you've, going through, I mean, I would, I'm sure other people would too, but I would wonder how did you not sink into just complete despair? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. There've been a lot of, there's been a lot of time in my life where, um, my depression has really gotten the best of me. You know, I have had times I have tried to take my exit. My ex had a lot to do with that. I think but there's just always been something in me that says this isn't, this isn't the end and you've survived a bunch of other stuff before this. And this is pretty bad, but we're going to just get through the next hour. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I approached the whole, once I was released from jail up until ending the the criminal case and getting it out of the way, it was just, okay, I'm just going to get through an hour and I'm going to revisit. I don't want to get through an hour. And I'm going to try again, you know, sleeping in the car and being cold and starving. I did eventually get into a shelter and I just tried to use the resources. I don't know. I just didn't want to quit. Like I was exhausted and I wanted to say I was exhausted and I was tired and um, I was depressed and I was sad, but I just didn't want to quit yet. Mm-hmm. And um, I think really just thinking about my two girls is what 
at the, at the end of every hour when I want to, you know, do I want to keep going on or not? Is thinking about my daughters because I want them to grow up to be women who are strong and can handle things. And they may never want to see me again or have anything to do with me again, but I want them to at least say, but my mom just, she kept trying, she kept trying, she kept going, she kept going. It may have destroyed the relationship, but you know, she, she was really tough. She was hanging in there and trying to be strong. I want them to learn something about strength. Well, I applaud you. I feel like we should clap because (laughs) (laughs) I'll clap. Yeah. (laughs) I'm serious because thank you. I'm sitting here thinking of everything you've been through and Mm -hmm. I can relate to it in a way because my sister was alienated from her daughter and she died after not seeing her daughter for 11 years. I think it was. Goodness. And mm. the daughter reached out to us last year, I think it was, mm-hmm. because she was out from up under the grandmother's thumb and the, yeah. and the bio dad's thumb. Yeah. She even posted, you know, happy birthday to my mom in heaven. And so it's, it's, it killed my sister. And I'm oh, not exaggerating oh. because she mm-hmm. turned to drugs. She turned to people that abused her because Mm -hmm. she just needed somebody. Yeah. Yeah. The the bio dad would would message her and say, I'm going to bring your daughter to see you. You know, he lived a couple of hours away or so, and she would get dressed and put on makeup and everything, and she would sit and wait wait. all day long. Oh, well, he would call her and say, we just got off the interstate. We'll be there in 35 minutes or whatever. Just never show. And just, yeah, just keep calling her two or three times. We're almost there, blah, 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 blah. Just and never show up. He tortured her. That just rips your heart out. That, yeah, it's, it's so, and when you're, when there's no communication from the other side, you're left with your own mind and your own thoughts. Mm -hmm. And um, those can go to bad places. And eventually, I mean, you're just thinking it, then it's, it's me then like, it's gotta be me. It has to be me. It's me, mm-hmm. but you don't know the other side. And that, that would just be, I think in the beginning, if, you know, if, if my girls ever wanted it is just, can we just have a conversation? I'll answer anything you want to know and be, be truthful about it. I think they probably have a lot of questions. I imagine they have a lot of questions. I know I would, my own mother gave me away when I was seven and I just recently did the ancestry DNA and my dad is not my dad. (laughs) So it's, you know, I don't, I just, I know that pain. And then you can carry that little child in you forever. Like the little girl in me is still so sad and hurt over my own family not wanting me. And I just don't want my daughters to ever think I don't want you because I, I do, I do more than anything I do. And I'm, I'm a person and I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm, you know, I can commit to trying my very, very best and getting better. That's when you know better, you do better. And that's just what I'm trying to do. Man, ancestry DNA is messing up a bunch of people's lives, I think. I'm scared to do it. (laughs) Yeah. I always had suspicions because they gave me away when I was little. And there was very just strange things surrounding it. And um, my mother was very, 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 very cruel. She pretty much, she made it known she didn't love me. She did not care about me. She wasn't proud of me. And 
I just thought something is weird. Like something is weird. So I finally did it. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> why did I do that? <laughs> it's, it, it is, it answers some questions for me though. So I guess in that respect, it's good. Do you know who your biological father is now? I do. I do. He has passed away. My mother's passed away. And my dad, the one that I knew has also passed away. I won't get any more answers, but I have connected with siblings now. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. And I, I did know him. I knew him as a child and he was always, we always referred to him as uncle. And, um, you know, he did, he would spoil me whenever I would come back. So my parents lived in Delaware and they sent me to live in Alaska. And anytime I'd come back to Delaware, my uncle would always come and see me and kind of, you know, make sure to like take me for some pizza, bring me some money and all these little things. I thought I'm just the luckiest because he likes me the best, but that was my dad. (laughs) Wow. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sitting here with my mouth half open. I'm. I'm sorry. No, you're. You have been through hell. She's a lifetime yeah. movie, just waiting to happen. You are. That's what all my friends are like. You need to write a book. Please write a book, Linda. Write a book or something. Oh, and we hadn't even got into half of it, David. I know. I know. We we hadn't even. That's what I was about to ask. Is are we ready to switch to how she? Yeah. How did you possibly meet somebody in Idaho? Yeah. I mean, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. so in my mind, we're kind of, we've kind of left off with you in the parking lot, sleeping in your car. How did, yeah. how did that transition to now I met this other guy and I want to be in mm-hmm. a step family. <laughs> he was cleaning the parking lot. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, um, well, she had an Obama phone and so she was able to get on match.com. <laughs> right. Oh goodness. Um, well, so how, how it kind of transpired was I was during my divorce. So during the divorce, I was dealing with the, the criminal process that we were closing out. I was dealing with the divorce. I was dealing with, of course, since the children were in the house at the time. So DSS was involved. I was dealing with them. And I was also dealing with my disability case and I had an attorney that was helping me with that. And so going through all of those things, all those things, I stayed in a, a shelter, a couple of shelters actually. And then eventually I was able to get a little apartment kind of based off of my disability income. So that gave me some stability there. I, you know, was, like I said, doing a lot of work with therapy and things like that. And then just trying to finish up as many of these things as possible. So I could kind of move on to the next things Mm -hmm. and we got the criminal case done. And then a month later, the divorce was finalized and we, I lived in the same state as them, but I had moved to a different area. Um, so I could be further away. Mm-hmm. It just was probably better for everybody. And after the divorce was final, I just decided I need, like, I don't know what I need. I need, I need to get out of here a little bit. I need to kind of reconnect with myself. I need to travel a bit and see some things. And so I started just driving around the country <laughs> and um, I was meeting up with friends that I hadn't seen since we graduated high school back in Alaska years and many, many two, three years ago and just meeting up with friends and stuff. And I ended up in this tiny town in Texas and, um, hung out there for a while and I kind of hung out and kind of just got stuck. Like, well, I don't really got to go anywhere. So I'll just hang out. And I started waitressing in the daytime at this little bar just for something to do. Cause I became friends with the owners. And anyway, the guy that I'm married to now, he was there on a job and they would come in, him and the guys would come in all the time. And so that's how we kind of started talking and exchanged numbers. And, and then he went 
home to Idaho and then went on to the next job in another state. And so I kept traveling and driving and we ended up kind of linking back up, spending more time together and just, he was just wonderful. He was just so like, I thought I can't, I'm going to feel ridiculous if I don't try this because this is about the healthiest, most wonderful, happiest, most loved I have felt. And, and until that I was like, "Mm, dating. Yeah, that's all right. I'm going to get some cats. (laughs) books and things and I'm good. I'm fine. So I I was caught off guard by it, but that's how we met. So I got this visual of you in a car with the windows (laughs) rolled down, your arms out the window, you're doing that little thing, you know, where your hand goes up and down in the wind and you're going, I've been here for you. Where are you, man? I've been here for you. (laughs) (laughs) It was a lot like that. And my friends, uh, you know, my friends on social media, every day I get little messages or somebody text me, where are you at today? Where are you going today? Linda? Yeah, it's <laughs> like all of a sudden they're like, you know what? Can we live vicariously through you? This right, is, right. You know, sometimes not having yeah. any place to go is is pretty awesome. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I had absolutely. a friend similar to that. It was pretty. She was driving to Colorado and had a mission. She was going to go out there and stay with somebody. And decided to go see some friends in New Mexico. And next thing you know, she stayed in New Mexico. She's like, I'll just stay here. (laughs) This is good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, it, it was kind of, I don't know. I was feeling a little bit like a gypsy and I was enjoying it. And I, you know, I controlled my day. I controlled my day, my health, my mind. All of these things were back in my control now. And that felt that felt really, really good. And I, I wanted to experience joy. Mm-hmm. I had it in years and years. I had not, you know, other than watching my children, all the things that they were doing, of course, always brings every parent joy, mm-hmm. but I wanted it for myself too. And I, that that's kind of what I was looking for. And that's what I was getting. You know, for as much as I dislike social media, it, mm-hmm. if it weren't for that, you would not be able to know anything your kids are doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish I could see anything they were doing now, <laughs> but I can't, I can't. I'm blocked everywhere. Yeah. But you, you weren't blocked at the time. How did you? I was. Yeah. You was. Okay. I, yeah, I misunderstood. You was. You was. Yeah. You was. I, um, <laughs> well, I kind of, I misunderstood somewhere because you said you, you were able to understand what they were doing, what your kids were doing. Yeah. Prior, prior to, prior to the end there, prior to getting arrested and never seeing them again oh, prior to that just you know watching them in school and activities and sports and things okay, and all their little interests yeah like that yeah. okay i was thinking you were able to kind of keep up with them through social media not communicate but just kind of see what what's going on with them yeah. but no you weren't able to do that no no uh-uh no so oh well so that is how i met my husband <laughs> and he has three kids he has three two older and then one little one. So there's two bio moms there for them. And uh, like I said, he lives in Idaho and I lived in the South. And then we just kind of made the decision that um, neither one of us wanted to do long distance. And so we made the choice that I would relocate. He didn't want to move and, in uh, your car with you? <laughs> right? <laughs> like you don't love this little tiny car. I don't know why. <laughs> so, I'll give or you my the team, truck. One bedroom apartment. Yeah. <laughs> Honey, I love right. you. Here's the keys to my car. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Come visit anytime. Come you want. I'll be in the parking lot. <laughs> right. It's number three. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've upgraded to the Walmart from the <laughs> ER now, so it's better. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so he's got three kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and you moved to Idaho. Yep. And I take it his kids live in Idaho. Yes. Um, or at that time, a few years ago, yes. Two older ones <laughs> now live in Texas. Their mother relocated down there and they followed months afterwards. Okay. And they are how old? 21 and 19. Okay. And then the youngest, do, does the youngest live in Idaho? Yes. Um, she lives just about like 20 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And how often does he see them? The older ones, obviously, they don't live here any longer, so they don't see each other. The younger one, it has definitely declined in seeing her. Well, one, he does work mostly away from home on the road. He's in the oil field, but obviously a lot of jobs in the oil field kind of um, decreased here in the last year. So he's home more but he would work away from home most of the time. So they, they all kind of knew that like dad is always gone. And then when he's home for a while, we can all get together, do stuff and things. But now that we're home, we really, he still doesn't see her that much. The mom makes things difficult. She's pretty accusatory and he's kind of scared of getting accused of neglect and abuse and things like that. So he's definitely see him backing off. And what's your relationship like with those kids? Um, the older two kids despise me. <laughs> they hate me. Um, they've made it clear to me and to their father that they will never have a relationship with me. They don't want anything to do with me. They made sure to get my ex involved. And then that and things went really hell in a handbasket. Then it, it just got uh, so much worse. And um, the younger one, she doesn't have, I don't think she, she's 10 and I don't think she has any problem with me, but because there's so much animosity from everyone, like the two bio moms pretty much team up. They have kind of teamed up against me now. So there's a lot of drama and there's just, just a lot of attacking. And so I disengage. It, it keeps the target off of me if I do it that way. And it just kind of helps me stay sane while I also deal with the alienation on my biological children's side and now I deal with it on the step side. So why do the why do you think the kids have that feeling toward you? Was it because you you came into the relationship uh, a particular way or there's just your existence just <laughs> Yeah. Well they I think their their mom and dad had been divorced for I think about 10 years, but they were they would try to get back together constantly and then that wouldn't work. But I think that they kind of felt like that was the the natural cycle of things that that's how things should stay between mom and dad, mm -hmm. just kind of back and forth. And also dad, very, 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 very much. Uh, oh, how do I say this? Um, just gave them whatever they wanted. Mm -hmm. They were just handed everything. And so I think once him and I were in a relationship, and then he kind of started putting some energy and focus into a relationship and we would, we would do things or take a trip or something. It took away from what they were wanting and uh, they didn't like that. So to a degree, you represented finality between their mom and dad. It was no longer a possibility that they're going to get back together or play this yo-yo yeah. game anymore. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that for sure. And they, you know, they will say, you know, no, we don't want mom and dad back together because it was so bad. 
but at the same time, neither, you know, dad definitely can't move on. Mom moves on many multiple times. Dad just wasn't allowed to. It's it's weird how that happens. We see that all the time. Yeah. It's strange. It's so strange. Yeah. Mom can have 45 boyfriends and be married 17 times. But when yeah. dad gets into a serious relationship, all oh, crap just mm-hmm. is a fan. Mm, speaking yeah. of speaking of Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. I know. I'm right down the road. I should have got my ex a shirt that said Idaho. David. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord help my soul. <laughs> well, how did your ex get involved with the stepkids or the bio moms? The, um, okay, so the older two children Mm -hmm. facilitated that, just took a little social media research. And um, because I, I, yeah, at the time, you know, I was doing everything I can to keep that part of my life very separate. It was already painful and difficult. And, um, you know, it's just, it's not something that right away I'm just going to say, hey, here's everything. Here's all my stuff. It makes me feel terrible. So, and I do believe that there was an invasion of my privacy in the home by going through mail documents, papers, files, things like that to find people's (laughs) names and addresses and that kind of stuff. And um, so, yeah, so that's how they got involved, which got the first bio mom involved, the, the mom of the older kids. And then everybody was just texting each other and then text then people that we don't even know who have never identified themselves or texting my husband and all these horrible things about me and how I'm so dangerous and you know that he needs to be careful and I've been to jail and I'm a criminal and just all this and then it just never 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 stopped man yeah so how did your husband feel about that I know if it if it would have been my kids that had drummed up Lori's ex, I would be not very happy with what my kids were doing. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that inside it definitely hurt him and he was disappointed and he was definitely angry about that. He was not ready to show that he was displeased with them. And it was a lot easier to be displeased with me Hmm. and make this my problem, not their problem. So that that's actually that that type of that behavior and that looking at things and how I, I was treated is what led me to you guys <laughs> and your group and this method. And this is kind of what, you know, this is how I got into this to figure out how to save myself. But, you know, do I have to walk away from this man that I love very, 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 very much? Um, I didn't want to do that, but how will I keep my sanity? So, mm-hmm. and I, I know it, bo- I know it bothers him. And, and I think, Now, obviously, hindsight is so clear. Now he sees the damage. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that a little bit where you, so you're, I'm assuming you're probably Googling some, you know, step family help stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You run across Nacho Kids. Yeah. What was it that, that resonated with you? One, just the idea that um, I did not have to take on all of this. The, the, all of this anger or the mistreatment or, you know, any false accusations, the disrespect, I, I did not have to take that on that. This was not actually a situation that was speaking about me so much as about a family dynamic that I entered into knowing nothing about, mm-hmm. but that I could still 
keep my sanity and keep my head above water and still move forward with my relationship with my husband. You know, I just, I wanted to be able to do both of those things. I still wanted to maintain my own control and still keep having joy in my life. I wasn't, I was not going to give that up now that I found it and then not have to engage with those things and participate back. Right. And I will say, I very much wanted to be a part of their lives. I do want to say that I wanted to be a part of their lives, the older kids and the little one. I was very excited about it, actually being alienated from my children. I was very excited about the opportunity to maybe get to know some kids and not be their mother, but just to be in their lives, to be a participant in their lives. I was looking forward to that. I have been accused in other like support groups for step families, you know, that I'm just trying to replace my children that I I'm alienated from my children. So now I'm just trying to replace them. And this is, you're just doing this all wrong. You went about it. You don't even need to be with a man who has kids and a lot of hurtful stuff. Cause that wasn't the case at all, but I very much wanted to be a part of their lives. And, um, I did everything I could to stay away. Like I wouldn't be in the house very much. I wouldn't be around very much because there was just so much attacking and I couldn't deal with it. But to keep it peaceful, I just make sure I just leave a lot and try to go out of my way to do things and to be kind and be there and do things for the little one and engage. But I had noticed that if there were issues, you know, my husband, before we were ever engaged, it was very much, well, you just hate my kids. You just hate my kids. And this is just, just all just a bad deal. It's just a bad deal. It's not going to work out. Mm-hmm. And um, that, you know, that was difficult. To, it was difficult to figure out, okay, so am I bad? Like, is it me? Am I doing something wrong? What am I doing wrong? I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. And everyone kind of being against you. Plus I'm in a new place. I don't know anybody. I don't have friends here. I don't have family here. So it was a lot of ganging up. I never wanted it to go this way, but at this point, you know, it had to become about survival at some point. Yeah. So does your husband have contact with the older stepkids at all? Yeah. His two older ones. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's not blaming you for my kids never come see me because of you. I think for some time, I think he did. And I don't think he will admit that, but I think he did. There would be little times where if he was angry, you know, things slip out in anger. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's the truth coming out. And um, I do think that at times he did blame me, but that has kind of turned around now. I think because I've been doing this nacho now, two years now. Mm -hmm. And because I have disengaged so much, there's just no way to blame me. You know, I'm not, I'm not in the phone conversations. I'm not involved in any parenting discipline choices, decisions. I'm involved in nothing. There's, there's just no way to blame me now. Mm -hmm. So I think that has shed light on where the issues are. Yeah. And that makes sense because once you remove yourself so much from the situation, they can't blame you. Yeah. Right. Right. That, and that, and that's where I still, that's how I stand with it today is, you know, for me, that's what keeps, it keeps me safe. It keeps me accountable. I'm still in my marriage and I love him and I want to support him. And I, I, you know, they can't pin anything on me because I'm just not a part of any of it. Sorry. Now that he's not traveling as much, Mm -hmm. what does his court order say about his visitation with the stepdaughter, the youngest one? The little one. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have um, like a set schedule because of how work has always been for him for the last 
23 years is always away. There really was never a set schedule. So when he comes to town or he gets to be home for a month or two or a couple weeks, you know, it's just, Hey, I'm back in town and can I pick her up from school? I'm going to take her. We're going to go to the mountains. We're going to go camp or I'm going to get her for the weekend or, and that's just how it goes. And they just roll with it real easy like that. That's until I came along. Then it didn't roll easy anymore. <laughs> and you, then it was and you know conflict what? and resistance. <laughs> it probably has nothing to do with your past. It's just he's with somebody else and the ex doesn't like it. Yeah. 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 And the the little one, that biological mom, they weren't in a relationship. It just happened mm-hmm. like that. Surprise. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she also could get whatever she wanted as well before before I showed up. So once I showed up, then the two baby moms who used to not like each other at all, they are now very, very good friends because <laughs> they have a common enemy. And that's me. Right. <laughs> so look at you bringing people together. I know. That's what I told them. I said, look at me. <laughs> I, I was able to unite you're the mother of your older and the mother of the little one and make them be friends. So I have done some good in this world, you know, making everybody's relationships better. There you go. And you're making the stepkids relationships better with their parents. And you're just mm-hmm. spreading joy all over the United States. I am just doing what I can do. <laughs> Man, I, I tell you yeah. what, you have definitely been through it. And do you feel yeah. like by your going through the alienation thing that you're able to help your husband if he starts feeling that way? I think I at least can, I can't, you know, I can d- genuinely say to him, I understand. Mm-hmm. I can relate when your kids are pulling away. You know, it, that, that was what was very hard is that they, in order to get me out of the picture, the strategy was, well, we will just make dad so miserable he's going to get rid of her. Mm-hmm. And then everything go back to normal. Well, it, it didn't happen that way, but it was painful to watch him be hurt because they were pulling away because they have been always so close and had such a fun time together. Mm-hmm. And that was hard to see. And of course it, it's going to look like, Hey, you just showed up and now my kids don't want to be with me. So it's got to be your fault. Right. And you know, so it was like, I had to be delicate because at the same time that I, I refused to absorb your negative assumptions about me or whatever you're going to put on me that doesn't have anything to do with me. I'm not going to absorb that, but I will always be compassionate with you. I will always want to comfort you. And if there's anything I can do just to make you feel better, because I know then I will do that. So it's hard for me. And then sometimes when, you know, in the beginning, especially when he was still really angry and still very, very much blaming me, it was hard because he would say things like the kids, they weren't coming around as much and stuff. Mm-hmm. They still all lived here, but they weren't coming around. They weren't spending the time together. And he was really upset about it and how much he loves, you know, being with his kids. And he was kind of angry that day. And, and I'm like, I know you love being with your kids. Like, I'm not, I'm not really sure what, how I'm supposed to answer it. And he says, well, I don't tell you not to spend time with your kids. <sighs> and you cannot unring a bell. Right. <laughs> I can tell you that <laughs> you cannot unring a bell it is out there. And I, I know I saw it in his face as soon as he said it, it was, I just did a bad thing. (laughs) I just said a bad, bad thing. And that definitely drove a witch because I I was like, you're, you know, that's my most vulnerable thing. And you're attacking me when I haven't done anything to cause this. And you're using the most painful thing against me. So that's when I knew I got to figure out a way to navigate this where I'm not getting involved in their 
drama and I'm letting them handle it and protecting myself too. Yeah. That is so hard. You know, hurt people hurt people. And he yeah, was hurting yeah. and he lashed out yeah. at you. Mm-hmm. How long has it yeah. been since you've saw, seen the stepdaughter, the youngest? The youngest, she was just here last weekend, last weekend or weekend before. I'm not positive. It was, it was at, right after Christmas. She was with her mom and their family for Christmas. And then um, they had like a, a dinner or something to do. So then after that, she came over here to be with him and he had presents for her and stuff like that. And they went bowling and did their things. So she was here uh, within the last 10 days. She was over here. But you don't interact much with her. No, no, I, I don't. Last year. I tried to put on a birthday party for her. They had a birthday party. Her mom did. And so we wanted to have a party and we have a nice big yard. And I was going to get a bouncy house and just, you know, get some little friends and her little cousins or whoever, just come have a good time, have a nice little party. And, um, I really got attacked for that pretty hard. And so that's when I knew, okay, I, you know, I was, I'm trying to engage, but it's not working. It's not working. You know, they're still coming after me. So I got, I got to pull back again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's sad because it sounds like you would have a decent relationship with the younger one, given the chance. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and we have, you know, in the in the beginning before the other the older kids and their mother got my ex involved, the little one and I, when she would be here, we would do stuff. We would go shopping, take her to lunch, we'd play, we color, run outside. We used to have little camping parties in the yard and things, you know, when she was here, and just had a fun time. And then that changed, you know, when. Once my, my ex became uh, obviously a player in all of this, then it changed everything. Yeah. And I really hate that you were treated that way in Facebook groups with people saying you were just trying to replace your kids. People are downright hateful. Yeah, that, that, yeah, I I left, I left a couple groups after that because that, I don't think people understand how bad words can break you. And especially after doing so much work and healing And honestly, you know, people hurt you and say things like that and attacking me like that. But every day I have to wake up and make the choice that today I'm not going to let this destroy me. Every morning, the first thing I think of is I still haven't heard my kids' voices. I don't even know what my littlest girl sounds like anymore. Yeah. I don't know what their faces look like. I don't know anything about school or, you know, my older one, if she's working or going to college or what her friends are like, or what my little one, is she still into art and writing and things? And what is she doing? I I don't know. Will I go to bed again tonight? Another day where that's the same reality for me, not knowing, not seeing them. Can't, I sent them Easter cards and I got threatened with, they were going to report me to the cops for harassment. And then the stepmother took a picture of my card and on a little sticky note next to it in my daughter, my little daughter's handwriting, it said, look at this crap. And she sent me the picture. Your daughter wrote, look at this crap. Mm-hmm. She may not even know why she was writing it though. Yeah. The stepmom emailed it to me. I am so sorry. There's a special place in hell for people like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And for yeah. those people that are attacking you in Facebook groups, because you know what? They don't know these people that they're talking to. They just want to spew their opinions out and they could actually call somebody to end their life by their stupid comment. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So I battled that while I was married to my ex. I battled it in childhood. I had a lot of depression and things and and I dealt with it a lot with my ex. And um, yeah, I I 
made some attempts and stuff like that puts me right back, puts me right back in a very, 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 very dark, dark, dark place. Like I am not worthless. I have, I've messed up beyond repair is how it makes you feel. You're, you're too far gone, Linda. You cannot do anything now. You have to accept that you're bad and that's it. That is it. But I don't want to accept that. I'm not, I'm not ready. It's not true. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to remind myself of that. I really do. I have to make it a conscious choice to tell myself those things. I have to tell myself, you're not mm-hmm. bad. You're not being bad. You're, you're not out here hurting people. You are hurt. You are trying. There have been mistakes. And, you know, you're doing the best you can with what you have. Right. And you're still fighting for your kids the best you can. Yeah. Well, my hope is that, among other things, that what you've going through and what you've gone through will work out to where you can help somebody else. That's exactly what I want. There's a purpose, I hope, beyond what you know now Yeah. to why you have to endure all this. And yeah. if nothing else, everybody listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. yeah. quit your belly aching. <laughs> yeah. At, least, at yeah. least you didn't have to go through all this. I mean, I know some people have other yeah. other things, but it's it's easy to get wrapped up in how your life is and all these mm-hmm. challenges you're going through. But when you hear somebody that's like, dude, I've you know, going through so much. It makes, yeah. it makes me look in the mirror and go, just shut up. You know, I don't have anything <laughs> I can complain about. Yeah. You know, yeah. well, yeah, I, I do hope I've always been. So I was an English teacher and, and I was into theater and all those things. And I've always just thought I have to figure out, I got to figure out a way to reach people, to share this, because it is a sad story, but it's also a victory. You know, there's victory in this because it didn't destroy me. It didn't kill me. It didn't break me. Yes, it hurt me. And it continues to hurt me. But I have not lost yet. I have not lost. I I have the next hour. I can write an email or I can, you know, write or start a blog or I can be there for a friend or what I can still do things that are valuable with this story. And I can make this about overcoming and not just letting all of this, you know, take you down. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you never know the caliber of a person until things are going badly. Yeah. Anybody That's can be, true. anybody can be great when things are good, but when things yes. go to crap, you realize who you actually are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You are tested. Your friendships are tested. Your relationships are tested. And you really see what you're made of in other people as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, yeah. I, there's mm-hmm. a there's a book has nothing to do with step families, but it's called The Pumpkin Plan. Mm-hmm. It's a business book about basically it's about trimming the, some of your business clients off that aren't as good, so that you can continue to grow your business. Mm-hmm. And I bring it up to say that when things like this happen, oftentimes you have to trim things out of your life so that you can grow. Yeah. And sometimes that means yes. people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I agree. I agree. It is scary and it, it can make you uncomfortable. But you can't grow if you're comfortable. Exactly. Growth growth doesn't happen under, you know, the most perfect, comfy, cozy conditions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, growth happens under pressure. And so that's what I focus on is just to to keep growing. And if the, the day ever comes that, you know, I get a phone call or a text message or email and it's one of my kids and they say, mom, we would like to try to have a relationship with you. I want to be the best possible mom, the best Linda, the best human I can be. 
when I go into that. Right. Yeah. yeah. For them, for them. Yeah. The last thing you want is for them to finally reach out and then you're like all busted up. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 This was a bad idea. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I know that there's pain on their part and they know there's pain on my part. We, we all know that, but I, I would just want to come at it from one, you know, I'm older, I have more experience. I'm your mother, just all of these things, but just a place of healed hurt, not just fresh open wounds that I haven't tended to, but just wounds that I've really worked at healing so that, you know, when we do, if we ever do reunite, I'm in a really good, healthy place for them. They can talk to me or ask me questions or that they'll feel a little tiny spark of hope mm-hmm. that, okay, maybe we can do this with mom. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sure there are multitudes of people somewhere that will hear your story and be and you inspired. just gave them hope. Yep. I truly hope so. I really hope so. And I hope if anybody is listening to this, the perspective of a parent who has been targeted, if you are alienated from your children, just I, you know, you have to acknowledge your pain. It's completely valid and just keep working on yourself and um holding that little bit of faith that maybe one day, maybe one day, and that day needs to be a good, healthy day. Yes. You're so right. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud mm-hmm. of you. Thank you. You're our inspiration, Linda. Oh, thank you. Gonna, you guys are sweet. Thank you so much. Oh, you're, <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that song was written for you, Linda. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you, you guys have helped me a lot. You help me, you know, on this end, on the, on the blending end, it helps me a lot. This, this new perspective in the way I engage or not engage or just how I look at things or not taking it all personally, that really helps me. And so that gives, that frees up some of that strength and energy so I can then continue to heal and grow on the alienated parent side so that I can, I can stay my, keep my head above water on that end. Yeah. So the, the tools for the blending part helps me here with the blend or the lack of the blend, but you know, it allows me to still have energy inside of me to keep my other battle going and fighting for my children. There you go. Well, Linda, keep telling your story. You're going to be a, um, an inspiration to people, if not a motivational speaker, just telling your story. I would love to. And, Thank and you. never, never think that your story gets old either, because I know people that have told the same story for a decade. Look at Tony Robbins. Yeah. He talks about the same yes. turkey every time. Yeah. And so, <laughs> um, and I know even for us, we, you know, we have a story and I've, I've said before that the fact that we can put a purpose on our pain makes it worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. But I even have to kind of remind myself sometimes that when I'm telling our story, don't just skip through it because I've heard it a million times. Doesn't mean somebody else has. Right. And that's and, right. And every little detail helps somebody. And so I have yes. to slow down and tell the story in as much detail as possible, because the further I get away from the pain, the mm-hmm. the less I talk about it, but I need to talk yep. about it for somebody else's sake. Yeah. That's right. Good point. That's right. I, I totally agree with that. Absolutely. Well, Linda, we cannot thank you enough for being a guest on our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciated this opportunity. Yep. We wish you the best and we look forward to the day that you are a guest and tell us that you have reunited with your kids. Yep. I look forward to that. And if you ever get in that car with your little hand going in the wind again and you you find yourself (laughs) at the top part of South Carolina, look us up. (laughs) 
<laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Linda, thanks. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. My heart hurts for what Linda has been through. Mm-hmm. To go to your own daughter's graduation and the cops be called on you. Yeah, just for being there. I think this is a trigger for me, though, because of what my own sister experienced. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. You know, part of me would want to sit there and go, I got an invitation. <laughs> I mean, what did you expect me to do? Yeah. Well, it sounds like she made the best out of that nine minutes that she could. Yeah. It's one of those things where all of it was worth nine minutes. You know, we've talked about this before in our family, how, you know, we'll drive three hours to see our kid for 10 minutes if we, if we had to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so I think, you know, her going through everything that she went through to see that and to get to speak to her daughter was, I'm hoping, well worth it. And I hope her daughter at some point tries to find her or reaches out to her. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's got to be a bit nerve wracking to know that you can't necessarily find her or it's going to be harder, let's say. It'd be harder for her to find the daughter because she's been blocked through so many different channels and all that kind of stuff. And I think that if she's able to re-engage basically with the oldest daughter, that that would help her also with the youngest daughter or the younger daughter. Yeah, I'm sure. But the the other thing that kind of shocked me in a good way was how resilient Linda is through all this, because it's more than just the alienation piece. I mean, she's homeless, living out of a car, don't have a job. I mean, you would think somebody had lost all hope um, and, and would just give up, completely give up. I mean, she says that she had those thoughts, mm-hmm. but it was the thought of her daughters that kept pushing her forward. Yep. But yeah, it's it's just terrible. It ter- it's terrible that another person, especially somebody that you apparently loved enough at some point to have kids with, that would treat you that way. Yeah. I read something the other day that said, if you ever wonder what kind of person you married, you'll find out when you get in the courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think that people, some people, have the ability to um, to hate as strongly as they love. So my my point being that sometimes you get a hold of somebody that you know just loves you like crazy and you can't imagine there being any more love possibly given to you. Just be careful because those people oftentimes can be the ones that can hate you equally. <laughs> so it just it just depends on the, the side of the coin you're on. True that, David. True that. Yeah. So it's it's unfortunate. Very very few people can can look objectively at what's going on in a like a divorce or something like that. And it's typically because of either what's happened in the past or somebody feels like this is a you know a, a thing that somebody has to win. There's no winners. <laughs> no. Let's please don't take me down that road. Not today, Satan, not today. <laughs> But anyway, I, I wish I wish Linda well, and and honestly, and I said this at the end of the of the recording, but I'll say it again: if you if you're having a bad day or you think your life is bad, you know, bookmark this one and listen to it again, because I I know as bad as I had it, we had it, it, it never got that bad. And she still hasn't given up, y'all. No, and it's not like she's through it. Like you and I can sit here and go, we've made it past so much that anything that else that comes 
at us we're not too worried about, but she's still not there. Mm-mm. Well, Linda, if you're listening to this, you are awesome, girl. Yep. We are so proud of you, and you are an inspiration to all of us to get up and keep fighting for what we believe in. Amen. Amen, brother. <laughs> all right. Don't forget, we are going to be in Fort Worth, Texas in April with Laura Petherbridge. Find out more at www.laurapetherbridge.com slash events. That's right. And we'll be in Lake Lower, North Carolina this weekend. <laughs> so if you can if you can find us and and do so before you hear this recording, I will buy you a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right, folks. That is our show for today. Thanks for listening. And remember that life is good when you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.